I'm Eileen Alfandari. Thank you for visiting kpfa.org. Listeners like you make free speech radio possible. Show your support now by logging on to our secure server at kpfa.org and making your pledge to free speech radio. Clock in the afternoon. You're listening to KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, KFCF in Fresno. Stay tuned for Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. KPFA accepts no underwriting or sponsorship from corporations. You, our beloved community of listeners, are our lifeblood. I'm Lem Lem Rijo, KPFA Interim General Manager, here to thank you for your continued financial contributions that keep us thriving as a beacon of independent media. As the independent voices in media become fewer and fewer, it's become extremely crucial for the voices of KPFA to come through loud and clear. If you'd like to find out additional ways to support KPFA, or if you have any questions about giving to KPFA, please contact our development office at 510-848-6767, extension 255. You can also pledge online at www.kpfa.org anytime. It's fast, easy, and secure. This is KPFA or KPFB, Berkeley, or KFCF Fresno 301. Time now for Stone's Throw on Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. Please do stay tuned. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw, and <laughs> I was looking in there. Jim Bennett, he has a lean and hungry look. This is this is a day we are trying to raise money, and I have got a book, but I'll tell you about that at the end of my little half hour today. Uh, we're in this fundraising marathon. My premium is a book called Voices of Protest, and I know that you're going to want this one. It's only... Uh, uh, only a $60 subscription. We've got 20 copies, so you can call in any time and ask for that one, but I'll read you some bits of it. I wanted to read you some bits of Rachel Carson especially, but uh, uh, anyway, uh, we got to keep keep things going here at Free Speech Radio. You know, Voices of Protest is basically a book for school teachers and for historians and scholars and for everybody who listens to KPFA, naturally, naturally, what a week. Oh, God, what a week. Oh, I managed to get myself together here. Stagger down here in the rain. <laughs> I'm loaded with antibiotics. If I sound like I'm a little goofy, then you will forgive me. Anyway, I was just happy and a little bit slap happy when Al Gore won the Nobel Prize. The Nobel Prize for Peace. You know, all the guys on the on the right wing stations were saying, "Oh, there he is with that nut, Jimmy Carter," and all they're all just just uh, hippies, you know. Anyway, 
Al Gore has spun his role into that of a prophet, an international prophet, actually. He's got the moral high ground. What do you know? Of course, uh, uh, those media voices, uh, I, I got a kick out of them. I had to watch the comedy shows, you know. All of them screaming about the the guys over in Norway in Oslo, um, the Nobel Committee, yes. That was just a bitch slap at Bush. Right, yeah, we know. Okay. Thank God. Thank the Earth Goddess Gaia. Just just something that we hope, we hope will make a difference. Uh, I got down Al Gore's first book, a uh, very early book, something I read in the 80s, titled Earth in the Balance. I think they're reissuing that. I saw... Um, a few ads for it, um, along with his new book, An Inconvenient Truth, the one that goes with his movie. They reissued Earth in the Balance. Um, that's the heavy-duty one. I remember that book back when my older son told me that um, Al Gore was the one to watch. I asked him who might run uh, for the Democratic uh, nomination. we get rid of Reagan, you remember? <laughs> Paul, Paul said, yes. He said, well, I, I think Al Gore. And I said, who the hell is that? Anyway, I wrote in the margins um, the news, uh, the margins of his first book, the news of this peace prize, yes. Things do come to those who hang around and act like civilized human beings. I put a quote from Gertrude Stein. Gertrude Stein once wrote, It is better to lose and win than win and be defeated. Now, let me repeat that. It's a little confusing, but I did have some students who finally got it. Um, she wrote, It is better to lose and win than win and be defeated. And it is certainly George Bush who so-called wins, um, steals, yes, stolen elections, yes, his wins have been a deafening defeat for all of us. Uh, I wasn't sure, I still can't forgive Al Gore for not going to the mat on that one, but he seems to believe that that was the wrong thing to do, you know, rule of law, uphold the court, blah, blah. Anyway, I remember when Al Gore's Oscar for the movie, An Inconvenient Truth, first infuriated the right wing, you know, he said, what are you going to give a give an award to some uh, silly politician, you know, just making a movie? Can't get a peace prize for that either. But now I think of Al Gore as an international presence, a voice for the future. Huh. Oh. Maybe it is, yes, hopeless. What was it? Somebody said the other day, tis hope is the most hopeless thing of all, but at least, at least it makes things look cheerful for the winter uh let's hope there's a a real change uh coming along here for me personally just my own little world the greatest joy uh during the last weeks is doris lessing's win for literature 87 years old doris lessing 87 <laughs> years ago she came to to kpfa I remember I didn't know about it, and she was left left on the doorstep. I don't know. I finally got her in the door, but uh, 
I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe, you know, we didn't have a red carpet. And, and uh, anyway, the great Doris Lessing has finally been recognized. I pulled down from the shelf her early book, The Golden Notebook, uh, and I made some more notes. I'm going to do that on future programs on KPFA. Uh, I still like that one best. I know that the later work is appeals more to the young, but The Golden Notebook was my personal book, my little feminist Bible, I guess. She doesn't like the idea that uh, she was, she felt she was being limited by the feminist label. Uh, she was surprised, she said, when that label was tacked to it. Uh, for me, it was a revelation. It was a guide for my life, more so than the Simone de Beauvoir book. Um, I guess, um, I don't know, a Brit seems more my style. Anyway, in the 60s and 70s, Doris Lessing was just what I needed. She put it all together, you know, she made it gel, this woman thing, uh, this world view. She took four notebooks, um, her basic notebooks, uh, a black notebook, a red notebook, yellow and blue, and created the ultimate notebook, the Ur, U-R, Ur manuscript. I remember I did exactly the same thing, just about, uh, you know. Put it together, yes. We don't have to divide. Dividing makes you mad. So many women are fragmented. I was completely fragmented. Uh, we had uh, splits, you know, personal from political. Uh, <laughs> I I even had different costumes for my different roles. I remember uh, I had what was called, what I called, hardening of the categories. Uh Oh, yes, being a uh, woman, in quotes, meant, what is it, being so self-effacing that you just disappeared. Uh, anyway, Doris Lessing integrated all these aspects of a woman's life. Uh, she gave us personhood, uh, none of the New Age nonsense, just just a reality sandwich ideology, you know. <laughs> She gave me the the guts to go places without makeup on my face. That was that was as basic as it got in those days. Now, the first thing I want to do today, a serious thing I want to do, is to tell you about this book. Now, Amelia Gonzalez will come in here and help me pitch because uh, I'm a terrible saleswoman. I'm just such a uh, such a what is it retro type that was one of the things i could never deal with was money because of course i was raised in the 40s and 50s and we were <laughs> we were above it all right no no business head women didn't play sports or uh struggle in business it was just you know, we were artists uh that was basically dilettantism flakiness uh i think what i like to do is tell you a little bit about this book and then just read one section called Freedom from Fear. Uh, you know that we live these days in an age of fear. Uh, what was it? Dadley Stevenson used to say, patriotism is not fear of something, it is a love of something. Clinton used to say, it's not, you know, what we're against, what we're for here. We're for something. Uh, <laughs> you know, terror is a very peculiar enemy. I, 
I think, of course, that the enemy is greed. What is it? Pogo in the funny papers. We have met the enemy. And she's us. Woohoo. Yes, look in the mirror. Anyway, uh, I think it is interesting that, uh, we are, what is it, uh, richer than we have ever been historically and more frightened than we have ever been. Uh, in this book, Voices of Protest, there's a woman in Burma. Yes, indeed, Burma is the place to go now if you want courage, if you want to study courage. Uh, anyway, I'll read you that bit in just a minute. First of all, let me tell you that this book is a fat collection. It says, a seminal collection tells us all about, you know, the real voices. It's a $25 book. Uh, Documents of Courage and Dissent. We've got everybody from Martin Luther King to Emma Goldman to Socrates, that crabby old Socrates, um, Mohandas Gandhi, Rachel Carson, Nelson Mandela, Muhammad Ali, Margaret Sanger, the birth control pioneer. Uh, anyway, they're all in here. Um, let's see. Black Dog is the publisher of Voices of Protest. This is a big, fat, hardback. And as I said, there's too many to list here. This is an anthology. It's the kind of book that goes up on the shelf with all the other wonderful reference books. You know, when you need something. I, I lately find that there are some little special ones that I save, uh, little bits of... Uh, what is it, King's Letter from Birmingham Jail. But uh, they're my favorites, and then there are those that cover long periods in history, uh, stuff that I found in, what is it, uh, No Gods, No Masters, The Voices of the Women. Those are my particular interest. I think I gave that um, out for a premium once years ago. I'm going to try to get some more copies of that, No Gods, No Masters, because uh, it's got Elizabeth Cady Stanton's rewrite of the Bible. Elizabeth Cady Stanton did not get the uh, notoriety that uh, her companion Susan B. Anthony got. Susan B. Anthony was interested in a political win. Uh, Elizabeth Cady Stanton was interested in justice, and she was really interested in uh, wiping out uh, Christian dogma, but that got her into very hot water, and so, of course, she is not... uh, what is that? Uh, the one that is remembered now. She went too far. Now, let's see. Here we go. There's the woman uh, that I wanted to read. The uh, Yes, the woman. Ah, here she goes. Burma, it is not power that corrupts but fear. Fear of losing power corrupts those who weld it, and fear of the scourge of power corrupts those who who are subject to it. Most Burmese are familiar with the four kinds of corruption. Corruption induced by desire, its deviation from the right path in pursuit of bribes or for the sake of those one loves. Okay, fine. Then there's taking the wrong path to spite those against whom one bears ill will. <laughs> and then the aberrations due to ignorance. Yes, my favorite Years ago, when I was just a uh, high school teacher, I remember trying to get kids to divide up the world's ills into ignorance and want. And they finally decided that ignorance was a source of want and that, in a way, uh, it was worse. Uh, That's Charlie Dickens. Yes, Charlie Dickens used to 
to personify that. Uh, he had a little girl was um, want, and the little boy was ignorance, I think, yes. Very sad. Anyway, this piece goes on to say, the worst of the four, the worst of the four corruptions uh, is the one that destroys all sense of right and wrong, and it lies at the root of the other three kinds of corruption. Yes. Uh, the result of sheer avarice can be caused by fear of want or fear of losing, yes, the goodwill of those one loves. That would be the suicide bombers, right? Fear of being surpassed, humiliated, or injured in some way. Public dissatisfaction with economic hardships has been seen as the chief cause of the movement for democracy in Burma, sparked off by the student demonstrations of 1988. And then she goes on to, um, to write about all the ways, um, the ways the corruption bubbles and bubbles until finally it's like a boil breaking and we have the, the terrible scene, uh, the terrible scene that we have in Burma today. Uh, sad, sad, sad. I don't know. Uh, the other day I was trying to study it up and I thought, well, perhaps the body count was lower this time, but they've made their point. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Always we have to wait and see. Uh, but the dead are still dead and people are suffering. Uh, it is so strange uh, how each each, what is it, each decade seems to repeat the last decade. They just change costumes, put on a different mask, and um, the situation repeats itself. It's like, it's like a piece of theater going on and on, political theater forever. And this week, what was it, political theater consisted of Hillary Clinton's laugh. Uh, <laughs> never mind. If I were teaching this book, I would begin with the section on Silent Spring, uh, Rachel Carson's work, uh, because it's so moving. It's, what is it? It's poetic as well as political. She writes a wonderful piece about uh, uh, a town, a fable, she says, for tomorrow. She says, there was once a town in the heart of America where all life seemed to live in harmony with its surroundings. And the town lay in the midst of a checkerboard of prosperous farms with fields of grain, hillsides of orchards, where, in spring, white clouds of bloom drifted above the green fields. In autumn, oak and maple and birch set up a blaze of color that flamed and flickered across a backdrop of pines. She goes on to describe the, the beauty, the glory, uh, you know, amber waves of grain, all that good stuff. And then, she says, a strange blight crept over the area and everything began to change. Some evil spell had settled on the community. Mysterious maladies swept the flocks of chickens. Cattle and sheep sickened and died. Everywhere was a shadow of death. Down here in my footnotes, <laughs> I have a... A list of all the the names we give this uh uh it's what is it uh it's the mut spell the uh mother's curse on the earth because we have broken the laws of nature uh 
Farmers spoke of illness among their families. Doctors became more and more puzzled by new kinds of sickness appearing among their patients. I think of all this autism and Alzheimer's. Uh, there had been several sudden and unexplained deaths, not only among adults, but even among children who would be stricken suddenly while at play and would die within a few hours. There was a strange stillness, the birds. The birds, for example, where had they gone? Many people spoke of them, puzzled and disturbed. The feeding stations in the backyards were deserted. The few birds seen anywhere were moribund. They trembled violently. They could not fly. It was a spring without voices. On the mornings that had once throbbed with the dawn chorus of robins, catbirds, doves, jays, wrens, and scores of other bird voices, there was now no sound. Only silence lay over the fields and the woods and the marshes. I was reading this section. I remember, oh golly, uh, a quarter of a century ago, going down to my favorite beach, a little cove in La Jolla, and diving in the water. Let's see, that would have been 1974 already, yes. 30, 30, more than 30 years ago. And I... uh was confused because it was gone. Everything that had been under the water when I was a child, all the things that looked like, uh, well, better than the Monterey uh, Marine Aquarium, all those bright, bright gold, all those beautiful fishes, you know. Every every bit of the reef was covered with uh, starfish and animals. You could just reach down, pick one up, you know. Hi, Jennifer. This is Amelia joining you here. Hi, sweetie. I'm reading from Voices of Protest, that little bit from Rachel um, Carson, that sad bit about Silent Spring. She's 100 years old now. (laughs) She would have been had she lived. Yes. Uh, This book has the voices of all of the people who really change things, you know, not the... Not the kings and queens and murderers, but the voices that last forever, the... uh, what do you call that? The, somebody said it's Christ consciousness. And I said, no, 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 we're not allowed. We're not allowed to be that narrow anymore. But anyway, uh, I guess it's the good guys. Uh, the well, voices. and it captures a lot of voices, uh, pre-Christian voices even. And uh, it's great to be able to offer this book for a $60 pledge, Jennifer. We were able to get a great deal. And uh, in order to offer it as a thank you gift to our listeners, it's a wonderful book. The beauty of it is that it's got careful praise for all kinds of protests, even though the majority of the emphasis is placed on the crucial role protest has played in democratic society. So this is something throughout history that you could have, that you could uh, get inspiration from, get um, beautiful quotes from. Uh, some of them, as you mentioned, are not as, uh, you know, could, could be dark. And let me remind, uh, let people know that the foreword is by Bill McKibben, an author himself, an environmentalist, also and a teacher, and he's written The End of Nature and Deep Economy, The Wealth of Communities and the dur- Durable Future, as well as Fight Global Warming Now. And that's uh, the person that has provided the foreword for this book. As Jennifer mentioned before, there are uh, great... Uh, great uh, protesters, if you will, voices mm-hmm. that have uh, stayed with us. Uh, Julia, Martin Luther King. Yeah, Julia Butterfly Hill, the legacy right. of Luna, all this wonderful description of 
the, exactly. the, the great tree sit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you could get it. It's yours for the asking if you call now, 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-H-E-Y-K-P-F-A. Or if you're in the 5 and Dime, the 510 area code, you can call 848 848- 5732. If you're listening to us online, feel free to hit the support link and you can do this very securely online. And again, this is yours for the asking with a $60 pledge. This is an annual pledge that we're asking you to give us to pledge your support for KPFA. Keep us alive here for another, uh, another month, another few months, another 50 years, however you would like to do it. Head above it's, water. It's important <laughs> that you commit to keeping KPFA alive and making sure sure that these voices, these are voices that are no strangers to the KPFA airwaves. We bring you these voices because we think dissent, because we think protest is absolutely essential for a healthy society. And again, keep us healthy here. Free Speech Radio. We've got Rachel. 848-5732. That's right. 848-5732-1800-439-5732. We have a limited amount of books. This is a hardcover cop, uh, book. It's a uh, very dense and it's uh, it's a great read it's a great resource however you would like to use it it's important that you have it and make sure that you've done your part to keep KPFA alive this is our first day of our uh, fall fund drive we're hoping that we come out with a bang and that we're able to kick this off and do well and come out of a position of power and of strength one eight hundred four three nine five seven three two Eight four eight five seven three two. We have two people on the line. We have a few minutes late left. Won't you join those two people on the line and pledge your support for KPFA, making sure that KPFA stays alive and well. One eight hundred four three nine. Five seven three two one eight hundred H E Y K P F A. Would you believe? Yeah. Would you believe they've got? Would you believe they've got Osama bin Laden's protests in here? <laughs> everybody, hey, hey. everybody with a furious fist in the air, and the protests against those cartoons, you know, depicting the Prophet Muhammad. Uh, those guys, you know, we have to listen. To <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they also have Fidel Castro's mm-hmm. anti-American writings protesting cultural gotcha. domination. They have John Muir's essay, The American Forests. So they have a lot. They have Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail. Yours for the asking if you call now. A wonderful collection. This is called... Uh, a collection by um, uh, Midwest Book Review says there have been many books written on protesting on, and civil rights, but few with the breadth and strength of voices of protest, documents of courage and dissent, which captures the writings of so many people. Yours for the asking for a $60 pledge. Again, if you decide to do our monthly sustainer program, it is $5 a month. You can call one 800 439 or 510-848-5732 if you're in Oakland, if you're in Berkeley, if you're in Hayward, if you're in Albany, you can call 510-848-5732. If you're anywhere else, you can feel free to call the toll-free number 1-800-439-5732 and support Jennifer Stone, support Stone's Throw, support Cover to Cover, the literary half hour that we bring you uh, Monday through Friday. You can do that by calling one 800 439-5732-848-5732. We've got panthers, we've got black panthers, gray panthers, pink panthers. <laughs> <laughs> they're all they're all in here, folks. No. 
I, I don't mean to sound like a school teacher, but, you know, you kind of need this on your shelf so you have all this good stuff. Uh, the, what is it, the stuffy people, I don't think they're so much fun, but we need to read them too, yes. Uh, I think that the, the politicians would be my least favorite. My favorites are the writers and the poets and uh, the, uh, what is it called, the... Uh, the people with the hands on uh, mm. Rachel Corey. There's a movie. My favorite actor, Alan Rickman, has made that movie about Rachel Corey. And uh, there's a play. I was thinking that would be a great play to do on KPFA. I think we'd get going with that. Uh, anyway, this is one of those indispensable reference books. Uh, let's see. That's right. Greg Palace says, read it, then shout it out loud. ACLU. A must-have book. Yep. That's Greg Palace that says, upon reviewing this book, the book that we're able to offer you for this uh, next few minutes, only one minute, Dev reminds me, Voices of Protest, we only have 20, yours for the asking for $60. Please, Pledge your support for KPFA. Make sure that cover to cover. Make sure that the literary arts stay here. That we bring um, air. If we <laughs> bring bring listeners to these voices, one eight hundred four three nine five seven three two eight four eight five seven three two. Again, if you do our sustainer program, you can do this five dollars a month, and you know that you've gotten the satisfaction of supporting KPFA. Mm-hmm. Let me remind you as we leave one eight hundred. Four three nine five seven three two. Jennifer. Yes, dear. When when what is it? Uh, where else can you hear yourself think? Uh, the women in this book range from Margaret Sanger, you know, the birth control lady, to Emma Goldman, and I think um, it's interesting that uh, the so-called woman's point of view has now become a world point of view. It's just bigger than than just the girls. Susan B. Anthony, of course, is in here. Uh, Okay, there's nobody that they they left out. Actually, there's a few that I would add. Uh, never mind. Uh, I'll be back on the air next Tuesday at this same time. I hope that if you haven't had a chance to call in, you'll call, uh, you'll call later today. 